Thanks again for spending some time with us on the Mosaic Young Adults podcast. Our hope for you is that Jesus will use the message you just received and direct your heart completely towards him. If you want to hear more messages like this one, please feel free to check out our past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. Love Jade, love Caesar, love Annika, love all of them. If you love them more than me, so do I. <laughs> Just kidding. But uh, not kidding. They're great. But uh, I'm glad to be here with you all. I love young adults Thursday nights. I've loved the teaching at young adults. Has anyone just enjoyed being under great teaching with Caesar and the others that have been teaching? Yeah? Okay. <laughs> Maybe there's a lot of new people here. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we got to talk, Caesar. Um, no, I. I, uh, I was thinking about this this morning. You know when you're like laying in bed and you're kind of like half asleep, half awake, and it's like a good moment, not a bad moment, you know? You know what I'm saying? No? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Where you're like, oh, I'm not like exhausted, but also I'm not anxious. You know what I'm saying? You know that feeling? Yeah, yeah. So that was happening this morning, and I was like laying there in bed half asleep, and I was like, man, like honestly, when I'm in a community or at a church or in a space where like there's not good teaching, I kind of feel like that feeling when you're out in the ocean, you know, when you like, you know, your feet on the ground and you're kind of walking out in the ocean and you're like, oh, this is nice. And all of a sudden you can't feel the ground. You're like, I'm adventurous though. Let's keep going, you know? And then like you get a little further and next thing you're like kind of like floating on top of the water. And then all of a sudden you like look around, there's like nobody, you know? And you've hit that like point where you're like, I think I've gone one foot too far. You know that, you know that feeling I'm talking about? We're like, there could be sharks swimming around me right now. I'm going to die, you know? And you're kind of like, uh, you're, you're kind of like, but you know, I can't look scared, so I gotta just go another, yeah, I'm just keep swimming, you know, and you go further, but your fear's building. You know that, you know that feeling, or am I alone in that? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, okay, some of y'all know that feeling. Yeah, that feeling, you know? That's the feeling I get when there's not good teaching of God's word in my life. I'm like, ah, I don't know the direction. I don't know. There might be sharks around. I can't see anything, you know? And like uh, I saw on Instagram last night, one of my friends in South Africa just went shark cage diving yesterday. I was so jealous. I've been wanting to go for years when I fly over there, but I've never gone. And uh, he went yesterday. And I was like, man, I had this imagery of like being out in the middle of the ocean um, and, you, and having like this incredibly high tech shark cage around you. And you have like these incredible goggles and like you can breathe underwater, you know? And like, so you're under there and you're seeing everything. It's beauty and it's scariness, you know, but you have like this protection. You're like, nothing's going to hit me, you know, like that's what I feel like that security when you're under good teaching of God's word, you know, your spirit is taken care of, like your soul is watched over, like you're not going to die, you know, and so I've really enjoyed being at this church because there's a profound intentionality to studying and preaching God's word uh, faithfully, not for how we want to see it, but how God has meant it to be taught. And so um, I've really enjoyed Thursday nights because I believe that happens here every Thursday night. But just to, just to catch up with any of y'all in case um, you zoned out the last few weeks, I've got a, I've got a, does anyone remember, and I've got prizes, so anyone like prizes? The prizes are books though, so you'd be like, that's not a prize, that's, that's a trap, you know? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> If you like books, you can answer these questions, okay? All right, what was the name? And I'm going to call over. I'm going to just pick on over. Raise the hand first, okay? Raise the hand first. What was the name of the light? Obi. <laughs> what? Huh? That is incorrect. Uh, what was the name of the last series we just finished? Ooh, right over here. Here comes a bride. You got it. Do you want Let the Nations Be Glad by John Piper or Gospel-Centered Community by someone I don't know? Okay, here you go. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. How many weeks has it been since we preached from the book of John? Obi. No. <laughs> That's pretty close. You got married like four months ago, y'all. So it was a joke because it's been a minute. Uh. Wow. You remember the date? I said how many weeks? You remember the date? Because how many weeks? Seven. Oh, you got it. Four. You were close. You're right behind. All right. Have you had this book before? You ever had this book before? Okay. Well, it's a good one. I actually haven't read it yet, but I think it's good. So, <laughs> I've read its uh, sister book, Gospel Centered Life. Yeah. So we've been. <laughs> I didn't hear that. I don't know what he just said, but I'm gonna I'm gonna let it go, Caesar. You might not let it go, but I'm gonna let it go. You and Ryan can talk after. Um, <laughs> We've been, we've just been uh, coming out of the series, Here Comes the Bride, right? The beauty of our relationship with Jesus, not just our individual relationship, but our collective relationship, right? Jesus has won us over. He's bought us with his own life. He's pursued us and he loves his people. He loves his church. He describes his church as his bride, as his body, right? So just so grateful we got to, to, to go through that the last couple weeks so that we could have the same vision and same passions for this community and the broader community of the body of Christ together as Jesus has it and as he empowers us to love one another. Um, and then before that, I don't remember, and before that, I don't remember, before that, I don't remember. Then we are in John 6, okay? And we've been going through John together as a young adult community, and uh, it's been amazing. It's been incredible. And tonight, um, does anyone like steak? Yeah. There's no prize for that one. So sorry, I don't have a book for y'all. Does anyone like, like, does anyone not like steak? Does anyone just love steak? Giselle, <laughs> all the vegetarians. Okay, some of y'all, does anyone just like, steak's average. Steak's average, yeah? I'm kind of surprised. I thought there'd be more like steak lovers up in the house here, no? There is? Okay, like if I like brought out like a steak right now, who would want it? Okay, that's, what, okay, there's my people, Okay. I, it's been a few, like, it's been a few weeks that I can remember eating a good steak, you know, but I remembered, like, I went to South Africa last year, and, uh, and they, there's this, like, they're very marketplace culture there, where you, like, you know, kind of like Plant Street Market, but, like, even more than that, you know, and so you go and you have meals, and it's, like, kind of a community thing, and so we would, we go out in the marketplace every night after doing some of the missions work we get to do with uh, some of our partners there, and so you go to some of the markets, and this one time, you know, you kind of walk around looking at the food stuff, like, do I want that, do I want that, and then you get to this one corner spot last year, and this dude is like this master chef. He's like, yeah, I'm going to be in New York next year, you know, all this stuff. And you like listen to me give like this 20-minute spiel. And the whole time, he is cooking up for you and preparing this giant leg of kudu, okay? You're like, what's kudu? It's like antelope, okay? All right? And it's like, it's like you could get the little piece, you know, like the little like nice little cut, you know, like we might have as a steak here uh, in the States. Or you can get the whole leg, okay? Like prepared, boned out of it like this. Like it's like, you're like, what the heck? He's like, oh, it's good for like two people, you know? Like, no, it's like good for like 20, you know? And uh, anyways, we went in on it. A few of us got it. It was amazing, okay? We got, there's like this platter, right? And it's like we're walking it, walking it back to our table. I'm not even kidding. This is not, I'm not being embellishing here, okay? It's like this, it took two people to get this platter to our table, set it down, right? And you can just kind of smell it. It's like, wow, you know? And there's like 19 forks in it that you're all supposed to use, I guess. I don't know. And, and I'll tell you what, I was kind of hesitant because I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I have like uh, a limited uh, palate of taste buds, okay? It's like, I like ice cream and uh, anything else sugary. So I, I, anything like exploring, I'm kind of nervous, right? Even though it's like 
like steak. I'm still nervous, right? But anyways, that's not the point of the story. I, I'm getting carried away. I'm sorry. So we dig into it and I'm like, whoa, like this is incredible. I wish I could like, I wish I could help you taste how in like, it was so good. And it was like so rich. And there was like other, like, I don't know, spices on it. And it was like, it was the best steak I've ever had. And we just kept eating it and eating it. And it was so much. It was this huge can- antelope. Okay. Not cantaloupe. And um, <laughs> so there's an interesting task given to, to preachers um, of God's word to preach the meat and, and the richness of scripture. But if it's too dense, sometimes it, it comes across as arrogant and unhelpful. The scriptures are as rich and as dense and as like amazing as this antelope leg were, was, is, whatever. Um, and, and the scriptures are even more than that when it comes to spiritual nourishment and taste buds and experience, right, as a whole. Um, and so when I was a kid, like I loved steak and I would uh, like take huge bites of it when I was a kid. Like I would just eat like, like the biggest bites. And my mom would, she would like always like, chew your food, Caleb, you know. Um, and like would get mad at me. She's right here. So I was trying to see if she would react. Um, but anyways, eventually my parents saw I, was, I would die because I was going to uh, choke on steak. And so my dad would take the steak and he would cut it into small little pieces. You know what I'm saying? Any of your parents ever do that? Yeah, your parents are like, and at first I was like, oh, this is amazing. My dad loves me, you know, and I would eat little pieces and bites and it'd be amazing, you know. But then there was a point where I was like, I was like, I was, I knew how to cut my own steak and eat it, right? And I wanted bigger bites than these little tiny pieces my dad was cutting up, right? And so one night my dad goes to cut up a steak and I'm like, what the heck, dad? I'm 15, you know, like stop, okay? And so I was so mad at him because it's like my turn to, to cut up my own steak and eat it. Well, here's what I'm trying to get at. This passage, you just read it. It's like a huge antelope leg, okay, of, of richness. And some are like, I don't even know where to start. Do I, uh, what was that? What was, you know? And so tonight I have the, the, the beautiful but also difficult task of like cutting into this with you guys. And some of y'all are going to be listening like, man, he's cutting it way too small. These little bites. He thinks I'm a little child. You know, shut up, Caleb. Like, and you're going to want to leave out of here and be like, I just want to consume this with my study Bible and my 19 friends who are amazing. And I, I want to encourage you to do that. You know, if you feel like tonight I, I wasn't able to actually prepare and give this to you in a way that is what you need. But also, because it's so dense and so rich, I don't want to just like, here you go. We'll just read it and, you know, figure it out. Because I don't want to come across as arrogant and unhelpful because the truth is I've read this like 50, 60, 70 times the last week or two, and I'm still chewing. I'm still chewing. Spiritually. I'm literally like back there wrestling like 20 minutes ago in my heart. Like, I, this is, what? Like, how am I supposed to preach? Thanks, Caesar, for giving me 35, 45 verses in one night, you know? I'm just kidding. Anyways, so let's pray. <laughs> let's pray. Heavenly Father, we need you. Amen. <sighs> Do you guys want to? Um, <laughs> you guys want to see a magic trick? Yes. Okay. Do you guys want to see a magic trick or not? Yes. I worked on this for a while. Okay. Okay. Watch the pen. Watch the pen. Okay. There's more where that came from. Just see me after. All right. <sighs> Have you ever like been around someone that uh, made you feel like super special? 
Like, you just, you just like want to be around them all the time, you know what I'm saying? Like, when you're around them, you feel so valuable, you know? I have this friend, well, truthfully, I didn't know how to write this, but I, he was a friend. He might, we might be still friends if we talked, but it's been a few years. Um, his name's Jeff. I think it's still Jeff, probably it's Jeff. Um, and he, he still is, a, he's a professional magician, okay? Uh, I met him one night at church, actually, at the Walt Disney World campus, our Walt Disney World campus. He used to go there for a few years. Um, and he was like super personable. Um, but he also was like cool, right? He wasn't just like nice, but he was awesome and cool. Um, and we used to have this Monday night game nights at the Walt Disney World campus that was uh, like a community hangout where we play games and have fun, stuff like that. And they, they were so fun. And whenever Jeff was there, inevitably someone would beg him to do a magic trick, right? You know, if you're a magician in the room, you're like that one person that you show up at the party and was like, oh man, do the magic trick. And you're like, shut up, you know? But you have to, you're an entertainer, right? So every time everyone would gather around in the living room, whatever, right? We'd be playing mafia or some other crazy game, right? And then he'd be like, oh, Jeff, do a magic trick. Jeff, do a magic trick, you know? And so you'd be like, okay, 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 okay. And he'd be like 30 adults, young adults, there, mostly young adults, would gather around and, uh, and they would watch this magic unfold. And you know, whenever good magic happens, like not like what I just did, okay? Don't think that's what I think is good magic. Um, uh, like the awe, the, the laughter, like the, the, the wow, the like shock, like all those emotions. Cause you're like, what just happened? Like I just experienced something now. I'm like, how did you do that? Like, I think I know, but I don't know, you know? And so like uh, everybody loves a good magician. Um, and, and just like any good magician, when he would do a magic trick, it would leave everyone wanting more, you know, they'd want more and more and more and more. Um, and so honestly, although I mostly hung out with Jeff at church or at church events a few different times, I actually got to be around Jeff in like other contexts. So I kind of got to know Jeff, not the magician, but the person. And I, I really liked him. Uh, he cared about people. He was always so present with people. He never was in a rush. Like even though everyone wanted to talk to him, he never was in a rush. I don't know how he did it. You know, when like there's somebody that's like famous there, they always look like they never want to talk to you. But Jeff always made him feel like he wanted to talk to you. He loved people so well. And he was extremely generous with everything he had. I knew he was hanging around, honestly, some really uh, famous, um, well-known magicians, like learning from them, developing tricks with them, like some that we would know of, like super worldwide famous. And yet you wouldn't even know it. He wouldn't tell you about it. He was so humble. He would never boast in any of his accomplishments. He just was just a nice guy. He was, he was chill and he made you feel like you mattered even though you felt like he mattered more than you sometimes. And I loved his magic tricks, but truthfully, I loved Jeff more than just his magic. Um, you just couldn't help but want to be around him. He, he made me feel valuable when he talked to me because he respected me, even though I wasn't maybe as awesome or popular or impressive as he was. I mean, it's kind of the, kind of the feeling you get, you know, if you actually have a friend who's a celebrity, you know who, someone who's a celebrity. Anyone know any celebrities up in here? Don't, don't raise your hand, you don't have to. Oh, you do? Okay, cool. Some of y'all know celebrities? Okay, I don't know any, okay? It's like, you know, yeah, everyone knows that person, but they actually know you, you know? I thought of this uh, uh, Michael Scott quote from The Office, right? You know, season two, Dwight gives his speech uh, to the crowds, and Michael's just disheartened because his speech was not as great. I don't remember. I haven't watched it in a minute. But he says, he says to the camera, Dwight gave a great speech. That's the word on the street, anyway. <laughs> and I entertained Dwight. To end with my bar story... So I captivated the guy who captivated thousands of guys. Can you believe that? I captivate thousands of guys. You know, so Michael Scott says it, right? That's how you feel, right? It's like the celebrity is known by millions, but he, they want to know me. She wants to know me, you know? So that's how I felt about Jeff, okay? 
And even though I felt this way and I was so impressed by his magic, I liked Jeff for who he was, not because of how talented he was or something that he had to offer me. I actually liked him as a person. Um, but there was a lot of people I could see, I could see it in their eyes, that they loved Jeff because of his magic, you know? They liked to be around Jeff because of the way he, he made them feel when he performed. He made them feel when he talked to them personally, even though they weren't really known by him and he didn't really know, they didn't really know him, but they, they felt like he did. And so they liked his magic more than, they didn't really know Jeff. And truthfully, I think this is where a lot of us can find ourselves with our relationship with God. We might like him more for what he offers us than actually who he is. We might like being around him or his people for the benefits and the comfort that they give us or he gives us more than the actual life that he's asking us to live. We might like God for the way he makes us feel more than just the beauty of knowing him. See, I, like, I know I love God and I know him and he's the most important person in my life, but it's so easy for my heart to, to come to God with my agenda, seeking my own interests based on my terms of satisfaction and provision. And I, I believe that this passage is trying to say to us, God is trying to say to us as a community, I have so much more for you if you know me than what you just think you want from me. I have so much more to offer you if you would just stop with your agendas and your own terms of your desires and provisions and passions. I have something else, and it's me. Spoiler alert. So this is actually where we find ourselves in John, right? We've been traveling through the book of John together. And uh, recap real quick, John chapter 1 is the incarnation. Jesus literally leaves heaven, comes to earth, is born as an infant. He grows up. He's baptized by John the Baptist, probably a different John than the author here. And, um, and then he calls some of his disciples. He becomes a rabbi, teacher over training over years to do that. And uh, it, was, it was a lot of years to, to train, to study the Old Testament, to do that. He, so it's typical for a rabbi to call disciples to learn under him. And then they would become rabbis, hopefully one day. And it was usually a few years process. And so he calls disciples. And then chapters two through five is this incredible start of his ministry where he's teaching his way. He's speaking into people's lives. He's, he's healing people. He's helping people. He's loving people. And his disciples are watching and participating. And they're like, this is what I want to be like, you know? And so that's chapters two through five. And then we hit six and six through 10 or really five through 10 is this interesting section, God bless you, um, where this like weird thing happens where miraculous things are happening, but people start rejecting Jesus. This section of scripture is so weird. Jesus presents himself as who he actually is, but people start rejecting that, even though he's saying, I am what you want. I am what you need. I am God himself. Look, look at what I, like, like, like you, I'm able to do. And people start to reject him. And we're going to see that in this passage together. And so more immediately in John chapter six, verses one through 21, before we get to this, Caesar preached this and cast before that um, seven and eight weeks ago. Jesus had taught the people on the side of the mountain. He was teaching, right? Thousands are gathering, maybe about 15,000 people in total potentially. And he's teaching for so long and they're listening and captivated for so long that they get hungry and they haven't had maybe breakfast, lunch, or even dinner. So they're starting to get really hungry. And, and Jesus miraculously feeds them all, right? He provides bread like just supernaturally. I don't know exactly how it works, but it was incredible. Everyone was able to eat, even though they only had five loaves of bread to start. And so the people are so moved and enthused and excited, kind of like uh, the people around Jeff when he does magic, you know? They're like, what the heck? This is amazing, right? And so they're, they're so excited that they want to make him king. Um, and so unfortunately, uh, it was with the wrong motive 
They want to make him king. In verse 15, you can read that they, they seek to try to make him king. And Jesus is like, this is the wrong motivations. Um, John's actually, the author's giving us a sneak peek into uh, what's about to happen next. He's giving us a heads up to the, the, the disordered desires of these Jews, of these people that Jesus just miraculously fed um, and how their vision of God is, is askew. And so Jesus doesn't allow them to make him king. He sneaks off. He tells his disciples, you go on the boat there, cross over the Sea of Galilee. I'll meet you in a little bit. He goes, I'm gonna spend time with my father. The, the disciples are on the Sea of Galilee. They're kind of like, it gets crazy. Jesus walks on water, no big deal, right? And then uh, next thing they're on the other side of the lake and it's just Jesus and his disciples. And, um, and what's crazy is we pick up where the people who Jesus just fed, they're crazy. Like they want some more magic tricks, right? They're literally like a crowd of people around Jeff after he finishes one trick, they're like, do another one, do another one. Or like after a concert, you know, the last song ends and everyone's like, one more, one more, you know? That's what happens with these 15,000 people. Find, they find Jesus and that's, that's where we pick it up. Chapter six, verse 25, let's read it. Um, I'll read it uh, and you can follow along. When they found Jesus on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, doesn't even answer them directly, I love it. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Now, this is important right here, um, because he, they ask him, Where, I, I, where'd you go? We like, you, like, you went around that way, and next thing you know, it's been a whole day, and we had to come on this side to find you, and how'd you get here, right? And, and, and Jesus is like, wrong question. I already know your heart. Your passion's already in the wrong place, and I'm gonna reveal that right now. They come to Jesus with the wrong passions, right? They're like, they're like we, we don't know this yet because we're about to read it, but Jesus knows it because he knows everything and he discerns their thoughts and their desires and they just are coming to get more food, right? Because they're hungry. And just like, you're not coming because you saw signs and wonders. You're not coming to me because you want to know that, this, that I might be God. You're coming because you just want more food, right? Wrong, wrong, wrong uh, passions, wrong desires. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting more food, Right? But he's saying, you're not really here for me. You're here for what I provide for you. Your heart is in the wrong place. You desire more of what I can offer than actually knowing me personally. And truthfully, that's really sometimes where I can find myself. I want, my passions are in the wrong place. I come to Jesus with what I can get from him rather than just knowing him personally. And Jesus calls that out here in the first two verses. But let's keep reading what happens next. Do not work, he says. This is so interesting. Like, like when I say this is tough to chew on, this is a lot. He says, truly, truly, I say, read verse 26 again. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are not seeking me because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. You want more food. You're coming with the wrong passions, wrong, wrong, um, wrong reasons, wrong motivations. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, well, what must we be doing to do the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God. Sorry, one second. Just make sure I'm right. Okay, sorry. Then they said to him, what must we do to do the works of God? And Jesus answered him, this is the work of God, that you believe in whom he has sent. So they said to him, then, then what sign do you do so that we may see that and believe in you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the man in the wilderness. As it is written, we gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father who gives the true bread from heaven. For the bread 
uh, of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to this world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread also. Okay, so not only are they coming with the wrong passions, Jesus reveals that. They're not actually there to know him, to know if he's the son of God. They're there to just get food, right? So like, they're just not really there for, for him. They're there for his magic, okay? But then on top of that, he says, not only do you have the wrong passions, um, but you have the wrong premise, you, you don't even have the right understanding of, of, of who I am. You don't even know me. And here's what I mean by that. They come to him and they say, they ask, he says this in their response. Look at ver, their response. He says, he says uh, do not work for food that perishes, right? Jesus says, do not work for food that perishes, verse 27, but for the food that endures for eternal life. He's saying, don't come for just what I can offer you. Come for me because I'm gonna give you something better than, what, than the bread you just ate. I'm gonna offer you something eternally better than the, the, the temporary you just ate. And then they go, oh, okay. Well, then, then what work must we do to, to know the works of God, to, to do that? Here's, here's what they're missing. Because at first you might not get this, and I didn't, but it took a while to dig deeper in it, but it's really simple, actually. It's just cultural. At this time, when you ever, whenever you got something good, you had to earn it. Nothing was given to you. Especially especially as an Israelite, especially when it came to your relationship with God, okay? In this time, there was a concept of works-based relationship with God. Why? Because God had established that with the law. Now, they misunderstood the law in the Old Testament and, and, and they misused it, but still there was this understanding culturally amongst Israel, amongst, amongst the Jews, that in order to be right with God, in order to have good things, in order to be blessed, you had to earn it. If you did things wrong, you don't get good things. If you mess up, you don't get good things. There was this deeply rooted understanding that I had to earn everything from God. So when Jesus says, do not, do not seek the bread that's temporary, but seek what's eternal, they go, well, then what, what, what laws do we have to follow? What, you're a rabbi, you've studied the Old Testament. You tell us what laws, you're, every rabbi had their own laws that they specifically focused on. And so like, okay, well, tell us what laws you want us to focus on so we can follow them and we can have this eternal thing you're offering us. And you're just like, no, 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 no. You missed it again. Wrong premise. Not just wrong motivation, but your theology is wrong. You don't even understand God's heart. You think you have to earn relationship with him. You think, what works can I do? I'm about to show you it's my works, not yours. You're so deeply believe you have to do it to get it. You have to just follow these set of rules and then you will get something from God. But what I'm offering you is not only something free, but something you can't get on your own. You can't earn. And what's really important to understand here is that this whole section is a replay or a, or a mere chapter of an Old Testament chapter. Ex, uh, Numbers 11 or Exodus 15, or 16, sorry. If you want to read uh, Exodus 15, 16 or Numbers 11, it's incredible. It's, it's Israel has just been freed from Egypt. It's a few thousand years before this moment with Jesus and the Israelites. They were enslaved to the Egyptians and Pharaoh. And daily, seven days a week, they worked nonstop to the bone to build up Egypt, right? And it had been hundreds of years. And all Israel had known at this point was slavery. And God miraculously, through incredible works, takes Israel out of captivity, out of slavery in Egypt, and takes them into the desert. Now, what's really important to know about this moment is that in the desert, Israel's never been a desert people. They've been a city people. They've lived in Egypt every single day where there's tons of rivers, 
There's tons of crops. There's tons of nourishing supplements, right? Egypt was at the time the leading uh, 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 nation in on the planet. And so they had everything um, that was, that was uh, uh, what word am I trying to think of? They were technologically the most advanced. So Israel, that's all they knew. Now they're in the desert, freed millions of people, and they go a month and their provisions are gone. Their food's gone, their water's gone, and there's nothing, right? So they have nothing. And they start to realize, God, you got, God is out of slavery, but now we're in the desert, we're gonna die. And so they start crying out to God. And you see this happen in chapter 15 and 16 of Exodus. And in their crying out to God, God provides because he knows they'll die if he doesn't. He knows they're not gonna make it. They, they have no means to provide for themselves. It's not like, you know, let's just hike a little further and we'll find something. You know, let's just build something here and then we'll live here. Like they're gonna die. They have no ability to provide for themselves. And Jesus is saying the same thing here, but spiritually. He's saying, you people, you thousands of people, you really believe that you can provide for yourself spiritually. You really believe that you come to God saying, what must I do to earn your love? What must I do to receive salvation? And Jesus is saying, you've missed God's heart for thousands of years, and I want to show it to you, that it's not on your work, but it's gonna be on mine. So, it's really important to understand as we go into this next section because Jesus is saying, please hear me, please hear me. And they're about to get frustrated because they can't understand. Let me just make sure I covered this. Yeah, okay, let's read verses 35 through 40. So Jesus, trying to help them understand that, right, truly the bread that came down from heaven, right, that was physical bread, but now I've come down from heaven. I am the bread of life eternally. Like, come to me. Depend upon me. And they say, okay, well, give us this bread all the time. They still don't get it. They want something from Jesus. They don't want him himself. And Jesus said to them, it's all good. We got some loud water bottles here tonight. Jesus said to them, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All the Father gives, to, gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I've come down from heaven. Listen to this. The same way bread came from heaven, man, it came from heaven, right? In the Old Testament, God provided with like pancakes from heaven and quail, okay? He's like, I've come from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of the Father who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. He's saying, the will of God is that I would come and save you, not lose you. You've been lost to sin spiritually. You have no way of provision. You cannot save yourself. And the will of the Father is not that I would come and try a little bit harder than you and then maybe fail too. I'm not gonna fail. I'm not gonna fail on your behalf. Believe in me because if you believe in yourself, you're gonna fail, but I will not fail to provide everything you need spiritually. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone looks on the Son and believes in me shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So, what Jesus is really saying here in 35 through 40, and as a whole, in this whole section, he's saying to them, am I satisfying enough for you? Is anyone know of Francis Chan? Anyone heard of Francis Chan stuff? Yeah, yeah. French Chan 
cool dude. You can look up some of his YouTube videos. Um, I saw this video by him. Someone sent it to me. It was in the middle of a message uh, a few years back or whatever it was, and it just was so good. It was like a two-minute clip, you know, and so you can look this up if you want to, but it's this clip about if you went to heaven and Jesus wasn't there, would you still want to be in heaven? You ever seen that? Anyone ever seen that? Yeah, it's a good one, right? So uh, it just stuck out to me because he's so, like, he's so intentional with his words, and he, he, they come out of his heart, not just out of his mind, right? And so he's like, yo, listen, I think this generation is amazing, but let me just ask you a question. If you got to heaven and Jesus wasn't there, would you still want to go? Like, He's like, look, like, imagine heaven and all of its benefits, everything you could ever want, everything you ever imagined, no pain, no sin, no death, everything you've ever desired is like there, but Jesus is not. Do you still want to go? And it's like, shoot, that's what Jesus is saying here to us and to these people. Am I enough? Am I satisfying enough for you? Or do you want everything else I offer you? But I also want to rephrase that question to more like this side of eternity. Are you okay with having all the benefits that this life offers us, but without Jesus? <laughs> I love you, Austin. <laughs> <laughs> Caesar loves that. I get distracted. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. Are you okay with all the benefits this life offers you? Everything. Let's say you could have it. Anything you desired, anything you wanted, all yours but you didn't get to have a relationship with Jesus. Is that the life you want? Because that's the life a lot of us sometimes live. We're seeking anything and everything but Jesus. My heart's craving anything and everything when Jesus is like, yo, I'm right here. And this is what he's saying to his people. Do you really want to live the rest of your life and even all of eternity with just what you think you want rather than what you truly need? This life is empty without Jesus, guys. This life is so empty without Jesus. And you might be like me and be like, I already have Jesus. But life, just having Jesus, not walking with Jesus is also empty. So if you're hearing like, I already have a relationship with Jesus, then you should know all the more that daily not being intimately connected with him it still feels empty sometimes. Because doing life, just having him, is not doing life with him. He's like, do you want me? Am I enough? Let's keep reading. 41 through 51. So now the Jews, Jews they grumbled about him. They're upset because he's saying some things that are really hard to hear. Truthfully, if I was there, I probably wouldn't fully understand or I'd be angry too. They're like, uh, they're like, I'm the bread of life that came down from heaven. Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, that you know, is from Nazareth, whose father and mother we know, Joseph and Mary? How, how does he say, I've come down from heaven? Who does he think he is? Again, starting to use their own knowledge to reject the wisdom from God. Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. I, lo I love to see Jesus' voice here with compassion, not anger. It's so easy to read this as condemning and like, who do you think you are? And you're an idiot. But I think Jesus, his heart's breaking. At least I, I want to believe that. When he's saying truly, truly for the third time here just in a second, that's like, please, listen, I'm not lying to you. Listen, I'm like, hear me. I'm not lying to you. Listen, listen. Jesus said to them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. 
and I will raise him up on the last days. Look, I promise you, if you put your trust in me, it's only because God has revealed to you that I am the son of God and I won't let you down. I won't let you die on the last day. You will rise with me. Is it written in the prophets and they will be all be taught by God for everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me saying, look, anyone in the Old Testament that God was drawing to him, it was because, because he knew that they would want me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except that who's from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me has eternal life. I am the bread of life. He keeps repeating himself, and he even goes so far to say this I am thing. There's seven times Jesus says this in, in, in the, the book of John, and they're all deity statements. When he says, I am this, he's referring to himself as God himself. He's not saying, I'm just another teacher. I'm just someone to kind of embrace. I'm just someone that can help you for today. He's saying, I am God here for you in the flesh for your salvation so you could be saved forever. Know me. Your fathers ate the man in the world. They got what God gave them and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that no one that eats of it will die. He's like, look, even your fathers who you're boasting in right now, they died. They got that physical bread. They died. You got all that bread I just served you. You're going to die, but you don't have to spiritually because I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I'll give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now, here's where it gets interesting. This last few sentences is probably the hardest because it almost sounds cannibalistic. <laughs> it's true. And Jesus oftentimes, and most rabbi teachers, would use physical things to describe a spiritual reality. He's like, look, you, it's so spiritually beautiful that I'm going to use something physical to try to help you grasp what's happening here. He's like, look, if you eat of me, and they're like, eat of you, that's disgusting. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 like, like, come on, this is a spiritual thing. Like union with me, like one with me, like, like I'm giving myself to you, like, 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 and you can give yourself to me, like we'll be, like, just like we talked about the last two weeks, the marriage between Jesus and his church. He's saying like, I'm coming to make my home in you. I'm not gonna just, like, you consume food, it goes in the mouth, it goes in the stomach, and then it goes out the body. But when you consume me, it goes into your soul and you're regenerated and your life is changed forever because I abide in you and I never leave. When you consume me, it doesn't enter, fulfill, leave. It enters, fulfills, and sustains and sustains and sustains and sustains and sustains and sustains for the rest of eternity. But they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear it. Their hearts just wanted the magic tricks. 52 through 59. The Jews then disputed amongst themselves, saying, how can this man give us flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. This is direct reference, and it makes sense to understand because he hasn't done this yet. He's going to do this in a couple years. This is direct reference to his death. He's, he's prophesying and foreshadowing that he's going to die and his blood's going to be spilled. And when you spiritually embrace, you spiritually allow his blood to cover you. His death, his life is yours. And you no longer are covered by death, but, but you have life. So I, I get it. They, of course they reject this. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. 
Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, you claim you love God, will he send me? And I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. You know, is anyone tired in here spiritually? Caesar just said to me about an hour ago, man, I feel like some people are tired. Maybe I'm tired. I think it's just because I've just not been consuming Christ lately. I'm just a little weary because I've been satisfied with just a little bit of Jesus here and there rather than pursuing him and wanting him. Is anyone tired here spiritually? Yeah. Thanks for raising your hand, bro. Come to Jesus right now. Like right now, tonight. Just like I'm tired, Jesus, but I need you. You're enough. Sometimes I, I'm sorry, I look for you, other things that will satisfy me other than you, but you're enough. If you're empty, <laughs> that's normal. This life is very, there's a lot of appealing things other than Jesus in this life. But nothing will satisfy it more than him. So, when you and I experience his blessing, just like Jeff does a magic trick, I'm like, whoa. Rejoice deeper in that fact that you know the giver, not just that you got a gift from him. Rejoice deeper in the fact that you know the one who's doing the work that is mystifying and awe-inspiring, not just that you got to experience something for a moment. When God speaks to you, don't harden your hearts. If Jesus is saying something to you when you talk to him or you're reading the word and it's something you don't like, soften your heart and receive his truth because it's better than the wrong premises and passions that you're holding on to. Jesus is going to say some things in our lives that we're not going to like. When I read the Bible, sometimes it's like, wow. But sometimes I'm like, I don't like that. And it's either because I don't understand it or because I have the wrong premise. Soften your heart because whatever you're holding on to is not as good as what Jesus is actually offering us in himself. And then be freed to pursue him for who he is, not just who we want him to be. Jesus isn't just an addition to our spiritual life. A little of God, a little of this, a little of that, a little of Jesus here and there. Jesus is the centrality and totality and finality of our spiritual life. He's everything, not just part. He's not just, I'll have a little bit of him today, maybe next week. He's everything. Anything that you crave and desire that's good, you can find in Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you have opened some of our eyes up to you. You, Father, are drawing our hearts to the Son. So when he speaks, we don't reject him, but we receive him. We recognize that's not our work. That was you in the first place, drawing us to him. So even our receiving of him and believing in him came from you first because you were wooing us and drawing us before we even knew it. 
Thank you, Father, that you did send your son, Jesus. And he did fulfill everything he came to accomplish. He didn't fail like the rest of us. He didn't mess up like the rest of us. He actually accomplished all the work of the law. He actually satisfied the requirements that you put in place. And then his blood was spilled on our behalf. So that when we receive him and walk with him and (laughs) consume him, we have life, life abundantly. God, I pray that we would not be a community. God, please help us. This is a work only you can do. Like our works are not gonna accomplish this. This is only by your spirit accomplishing us in us this, in this community, God. I pray that we would not be a community that just is uh, uh, okay with all of the goodness of life, but without you, Jesus. God, please convict us and compel us to you where we are okay with this life without you. And then show us that you actually have more for us, God. That you actually have more than what we were seeking. That we came to you with the wrong passion, wrong premise. And you're like, it's okay, I'll reorient your heart and your, your mind to what, who I am and, and what I have to offer. And God, I pray, even just for, I know there's probably a few people in the room here tonight that it's kind of scary. It's scary to believe in you, Jesus, because like totality, giving everything, believing fully, that's just against what we experience in our life here in, in this culture. But God, I pray you would show, show those amazing people in this room right now, God, that you are far greater than what they can imagine. Please open their eyes up right now Open their hearts up to your love, to your salvation, to the fact that you're saying, come, be with me. Do life with me, for I'm better. Thank you, God, for this life you give us abundantly. I'm sorry when sometimes I seek other things. Help us to chew on this truth for we know that this is a lifelong journey. This is a lifelong journey of knowing you. Thank you that you will remain with us through this whole process because you love us and you already have given your life up for us. It's in your name, Jesus, that we are so grateful that we're saved, that we pray, that we have life. Amen. Thanks again for spending some time with us on the Mosaic Young Adults Podcast. Our hope for you is that Jesus will use this message you just received and direct your heart completely towards Him. If you want to hear more messages like this one, please feel free to check out our past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes.